Hello, everyone, and welcome to this special edition of Employment Matters, brought to you by the Employment Law Alliance, the world's largest network of labor and employment lawyers from the best law firms around the globe. I'm your host, Pete Waltz. On the program over the last several months, we've spanned the globe speaking with members both here in the United States as well as internationally, and we've received updates from members in China, Italy, Korea, then across Asia and Europe, down to Latin America, and then back to the U.S. Today, we're in the U.S., checking in with our member in Oregon. Joining us today on the program is Michael Porter, partner at Miller, Nash, Graham, and Dunn. He's joining us from his home office in Oregon. Mike Porter is also a leading member of the ELA's Higher Education Council. Now, this is a group of members that focus on really building an important part of their practice in helping colleges and universities. Mike is going to share with us his observations and perspectives with regard to social justice on campus and the enhanced social activism that's happening during this election season. But more importantly, how do leadership and administration of the school address these issues as they come to the surface? So welcome, Mike. We're so glad to have you. How have you been? Very well. Thank you, Peter. Appreciate the introduction and nice to join you today. Thanks for joining us. You know, this is probably an obvious question, but what is prompting this elevation of issues related to social justice and and how they're being expressed as a topic on campus? Sure, Peter. I mean, it is quite a time for higher education administrators because on top of pandemic planning, all the various approaches to providing education during a pandemic, we're also in an election season and we're in a time of enhanced social activism. And it's just bringing up a variety of issues in many areas and in particular racial justice. So it's a challenging time, but it's an interesting and exciting time to be engaged in higher education administration, I think, when you step back and think about it from the big picture. And so while we think of the First Amendment and for private schools, academic freedom, the issues that are coming up, I think they far exceed just the freedom of speech. There obviously is the right to speak, freedom of expression campus as a place for vigorous discourse. But of course, sometimes that collides with with individual rights, with health and safety. So there are a lot of a lot of issues that are coming together. No easy answers here and a lot of tension between important institutional values that our leaders have to navigate. It sounds like a difficult time. You only have to turn on the news to see where some of those challenges are getting very physical, very violent. But let's talk about some of the topics and challenges as they come to mind. Can you brief us on some of the things that are kind of rising to the surface? Sure. We'll cover it in more depth in the full webinar. But, you know, I start with first just the typical protests. Perhaps those come to mind because, as you mentioned, I'm in Oregon and right outside of Portland. So certainly part of our daily news feed. But obviously they are also occurring on campus and all over the country. and depending on the location, those typical protests are coming into conflict with fairly strict public health protocols and requirements. And so institutions of higher education more or less want to allow for expression, want to create avenues for protest, and they have to find a balance between allowing speech without enhancing dangers related to COVID-19. Also, there is the role of security and law enforcement on campus, especially around the country. Actions of law enforcement are the focus of protests and demonstrations. Campuses are also having to manage the protests of protesters. 
So the logistical challenge for health and safety, legal consequences ranging from tort liability, discrimination liability, for example, hostile educational environments that can become part and parcel of some of the protests that we see. And of course, for public institutions, freedom of speech claims. All of this, in addition to the liability and legal issues, has an overlay of reputational risk to the institution. So typical protests is one issue. Second, social media as a vehicle for protests. Institutions are seeing what I would call uh, hashtag protests related to the institutions, where groups of community members, sometimes current and former students, raise concerns about their experiences with a hashtag to build up attention. Sometimes those include or separately have doxing or tarnishing of individuals who may be students or staff that are on campus or individuals seeking to come to campus, maybe, who've been admitted. So a challenge is when and how should an institution follow up on complaints, for example, that are coming up over social media and through social media activism? How should the institution engage with the subjects of those complaints when complainants identify specific individuals? What if a student or an applicant is, is outed because they engaged in hateful speech that conflicts with the institution's values? You know, the, the institutions are struggling. Can you discipline or rescind admission? Another area more unique to this year, certainly there's been remote learning, but remote learning is a lot broader now than it was a year ago or even eight months ago. And instructors managing speech issues that arise, do you have a chat function in your remote platform? Do you have somebody with a virtual background that suddenly has disrupted class because of what's in the virtual background? What in-class conduct is different, speech-related, activism-related, and what does the new remote learning environment, what are some of the overlays there that create challenges both legally and practically? It sounds very significant. Again, I know corporations are dealing with similar things with remote work and how they're having meetings and so forth, but particularly in an educational environment where your purpose of the things is a part of the global community of learning and so forth, it, it must create other different aspects that are challenged. But let's go from a legal exposure standpoint. What are some of the most significant aspects you're seeing with respect to legal exposure for college and universities today? Sure. And, and I want to get to your question because legal exposure is obviously a consideration. But I, I almost put front and center reputational harm and reputation management as the number one consideration with respect to these issues. And cohesive communication strategy that's necessary with respect to those issues, I think, will help with the legal issues that arise. From sort of the financial legal exposure area, I start with serious injury resulting from acts or omissions of the institution is probably right up there in the highest risk area, especially if you have discrimination issues underlying the injury. To be blunt, if a security department has a history of over-aggressive enforcement, and in particular with persons of color, whether you're a public institution, a private institution, whether you have law enforcement officers or security officers, that's going to create significant risk if there is an injury. Second, there are speech claims that obviously get a lot of attention in the media, and although economic damages 
and harm, economic harm, isn't usually the primary driver of these claims. The reputational injury, again, but there is an economic risk, liability risk. Jurors can be very unhappy if they think an institution is shutting down speech that it doesn't like. It's often public interest group litigation and prevailing party attorney's fees, so there's certainly uh, significant legal exposure there. And then the third area that comes to mind as a high-risk area is what I'd call process claims by students or faculty that may be accused of misconduct but have action taken against them, particularly if the conduct has a speech element. So here's a hypothetical. A student engages in off-campus speech. The off-campus speech is offensive to a broad swath of the university community and faculty members effectively fail the student. No real chance of appeal rights because it's academic. It may seem far-fetched. I don't know that it is given how public some statements and how viral some statements of students become. If that student's speech was protected and that student didn't have any real ability to protect the student's individual rights, their damages of you know, ruined career, reputational damage that can follow can create significant risk for the institution. Wow. So again, lots of complex things here, and it doesn't sound like there's any easy answers to this. But in a nutshell, Mike, what should an institution do to help avoid some of these things? Sure, Peter. And I think in, in the full webinar, we'll break down these by topical area. But you know, broadly speaking, I think there are a few ways institutions can at least enhance their effectiveness, reduce their exposure. One, make sure you have the right group of administrators available to address these issues and a mechanism, a crisis team, institutional response team, whatever you want to call it, however you want to define it, have clear roles, know who is in what role, and how that team is going to meet and manage situations. For protests, most campuses have an action plan. Make sure it's updated. People know their role within it. That's sort of for the traditional protests. I think campuses are pretty far along there. But think about that type of plan and how it might apply to a social media protest. Maybe take some of the concepts and translate them. Within those roles that you have for the teams managing these, there should be a cohesive institutional communication strategy and point of contact for speaking on behalf of the institution. Mixed messages to the public and the community really increase institutional risk, both reputation and with respect to potential liability. Also, I'd point out that valuing more speech instead of less speech is often a good approach, public or private institution. Creating avenues for expression, I think, increases the likelihood of productive consequences, and it can help you improve your community and campus environment resulting from whatever the speech is. Those of us who, who appear in court on speech claims are always prepared for the question from the judge, isn't the answer to speech the institution didn't like more speech instead of restricting it? And I use that phrase with the clients and I say, that's the question we're going to get asked before we start restricting speech. So 
consistent with that concept, consider inviting into the fold vocal critics, create platforms, create avenues for speech, and embrace dissension. All easy to say, harder in practice, but I think the principle can guide you. Some real practical thoughts. Institutions should be careful about social media that the institution creates. Know what you're getting into. Did you create something where there are responses available because now you don't like the responses and you're going to attempt to censor them? It's likely not going to go over well. Even, even if there may be legally justifiable ways to do it, it's going to be problematic. For the remote learning environments, I know we're down the road some, but it's an ongoing learning Give faculty the tools for how their syllabus should look. What should the first day of instruction, I know we'll be on the first day of instruction, but we're going to have quarters and semesters. You know, how, how should this look? How can we set up our remote environments to give us the best tools to manage delivery of education, or if it's not a, a course, to utilize the platform for what it was decided? Think about that at the outset instead of being reactionary and provide those tools. So again, as the question pointed out, there aren't easy answers, but there are things that institutions can do, I think, both with respect to the way they promote their values, think about their values, educate their communities, and are cohesive and thoughtful in their response. That can reduce the risk of being reactionary and create a better response that serves the community well, while at the same time doing what, of course, we in the, the legal world are trying to do is help manage the legal exposure arising out of these issues. But never been a time like it. And as I mentioned, Peter, it's, it's an exciting time, but sometimes you have to step back because it is putting out uh, non-literal fires moment by moment. Unbelievable, Mike. Well, that's great. And, and you referred to a couple times to our upcoming webinar, so I want our audience to know. To learn more about this, Mike will be joined by several other colleagues from the ELA that are a part of our Higher Education Council. The event is called Campus Speech in 2020. It'll be on Wednesday, September 30th. That's next Wednesday, 1 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time. It'll be about an hour, and you'll have the opportunity to ask direct questions of our panel. Mike will also be joining us on that. And you can register for that on the ELA website at ela.law. Mike, thanks so much for your contribution today. We'll look forward to catching up with you next week on the webinar. Thank you, Peter. If you'd like to connect with Michael Porter from Miller, Nash, Graham and Dunn, or any of our lawyers around the world, please search for them on the ELA website at ela.law. Just go to the big Find a Lawyer widget in the center of the page, click on the drop-down box. There you can also sign up to receive invitations for upcoming webinars, download white papers, get on-demand content, or access the ELA's exclusive Global Employer Handbook. You've been listening to Employment Matters, a podcast brought to you by the Employment Law Alliance, the world's largest network of labor and employment lawyers from the best law firms around the globe. I'm Pete Waltz. Thanks for listening.